and welcome to Barry Aftercare, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Connie Stapleton. This is episode 120. Dr. Susan Mitchell talks about dieting after bariatric surgery. The diet mentality can keep you sucked into the vortex of maintaining an unhealthy relationship with food, which, by the way, often impacts your relationship with yourself also in an unhealthy way. One of my hopes, which is also shared by Dr. Susan Mitchell, a registered dietitian who has worked in the world of weight loss and bariatric surgery for many years. In this episode, Dr. Mitchell talks about dieting after having bariatric surgery. Invite everyone you know who has had or who is thinking about having bariatric surgery to listen to this episode with Dr. Susan. And be sure to listen to Dr. Susan's award-winning podcast, Bariatric Surgery Success. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to Barry Aftercare. I am your host, Dr. Connie Stapleton, and I have one of my favorite people in the whole world on here. She is professional. She is educated. She has given you loads of information. She has an amazing podcast, which I'm going to let her tell you about herself because it's award-winning, and I'm going to ask her to share that with you as well. I have Dr. Susan Mitchell here with you, with us, with me today and she's going to educate all of us a little bit more. Welcome Dr. Susan and thank you for being with me. Hey Dr. Connie, I'm excited to be back again. Thank you for inviting me to join you. Yes. We always have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. We could be trouble. We could be trouble. We could be. We'll try to behave ourselves. So tell everybody about your podcast, which I have been honored to be a part of for quite a while now, yes. and I appreciate that. But you have an award-winning podcast. Share that information with us. Yeah, it, well, I'm very grateful. It's just one of the most uh, dietitian, in terms of dietitians, it's one of the top dietitian podcasts. And I'm really happy about that because you know that I believe strongly that it matters where you get your nutrition information. And bariatric nutrition is very specific. And if you're going to go through the surgery, you want to know that the information you're getting is, is accurate and it's current and it's going to be the right thing for your body after you've had it. So it's called Bariatric Surgery Success. comes out bi-weekly anywhere you listen to podcasts. And, and, and as you know, you're on there, gosh, what, every six or eight weeks, we do something together. Gosh, we've talked about all types of things from imposter syndrome, to, uh, you name it, we shame, uh, bullying, we talk about it all. We do. And you know, one of the things that I value so much about you is the the insistence that you have about presenting factual information. I know you've talked, we've talked a lot about how you do a lot of work to make sure that you're sharing well-researched information with patients. I, yes, I do. And I do do the same thing. And I think that's because Dr. Google, as we know, has so much misinformation that you can go on and start searching. And what you may read has nothing to do with the way bariatric nutrition really is, or it's not current. 
I have seen this just in my private Facebook group where they will discuss things like my doctor or my office told me I should eat X number of calories. And I know we're going to talk about this soon, so I'll hold it for that. Somebody else is telling them this. Well, who do I believe? Why is there such conflicting information? And that's when I come back to you and say, you need to see a registered dietitian nutritionist. But bigger words, one who works in bariatrics. And and those are the big words I would do is one that works in bariatrics. So ask them because all fields, just like with, with you, are specialized now. Nutrition is not just broad. It's specialized, whether you work in oncology for cancer treatment, for diabetes, whether you work in weight loss and obesity, whether you work in bariatrics. It's specific. It's like you, when you go to the doctor. You're going to a whether you go to an orthopedist or a neurologist, you're going to someone for that particular need. It's the same for nutrition. You want to go to somebody who knows what they're talking about. For sure. And I do the exact same thing. Every person that I do a pre-surgical evaluation with, I'm like, they're like, well, I'm working with the dietitian. I'm like, listen, you are now and forevermore a bariatric patient and you need to work with a bariatric specific registered dietitian because this is a very specialized field. And I I can tell you that they're hard to find. Because if you think about it relative to so many other conditions, bariatric surgery is very new. And if you look at it, even in the last few years, the surgery's grown, the types of surgeries have changed, and the nutrition information's always being changed as we learn more and more about the surgery and and things like this. So because of that, um, not a lot of dietitians work in the arena. So it can be difficult to find someone who knows bariatrics, but there are a lot more dietitians who do work in um, the research or weight loss and obesity that also have a lot of good information. So you just have to do a little bit of digging, but it's worth it. And now they know you. Anybody who's listening to this now knows you so they can turn to you. Well, I'm happy for you to listen and ask your questions, to join in on the Facebook group and ask your questions there. It's my love and that's what we want to do. (laughs) Help. You know, you and I have worked in this field for a very, very long time. And there are some things that kind of make my hair stand on end when I hear patients ask them. So I want to ask you some of these questions. Okay. So many of the people that we work with have dieted for so much of their life, right? And so when they have the surgery and maybe it's after they've lost as much weight as they're going to, or they start to regain or whatever, and then all of a sudden they get back into that diet mentality. So the questions are, will I be on a diet after surgery? Will I always be on a diet? What do you say? that. No, you won't. And first of all, I hate the word diet. <laughs> I can remember when I was teaching at the university, the students would say, diet is like drop the tea and I feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> and if you think about it, it's so true. Diets are so negative and they make you feel so bad about yourself because you either fall or you don't or you're a failure or you didn't do what it was supposed to do. So let's just push that word diet to the curb, and let's use lifestyle. I love it. Because lifestyle is what you're all about. So, yes, you might have been dieting for a long time. You might have tried every diet out there, but you're not going to diet anymore. You're going to eat real food in reasonable portions, specific 
for bariatric surgery. So really, I would want to say from the beginning, it's going to be about lifestyle and learning to eat the same foods that other people eat in different portions. And because people do think, well, now that I've had surgery, I've got to follow this bariatric diet. Well, yeah, I think more correct would be bariatric lifestyle. That does mean you have to eat some certain ways, but there are more things like learning how to eat high protein and learning how to choose smart carbs, but there's still the foods that everybody else eats that are healthy choices. I think I should be specific there that you're going to be choosing. So a bariatric diet is a really going to be a bariatric lifestyle based on healthy nutrition, just with different portions and timings, perhaps. I love that word lifestyle. And because of my interaction in the bariatric world, lifestyle includes what you eat, but it also includes how you communicate with people. It includes being your best self in all realms of life. So the eating portion is one incredibly important part of this for a post-op, but it is a way of life. It's a way of looking at the world. And I agree with you. I hate the word diet. Yeah. And what do you think of lifestyle too? Like you were just saying, I think that food should also be yummy, tasty, and delicious. And mm-hmm. if you're going, what? We eat to live. Yes. But we eat for enjoyment. In the United States, food is enjoyment. It's family. It's celebration. Right. So that doesn't mean you never have a treat again, but it does mean you'll have to learn how to work those in because of the surgery. But it's learning that food can be delicious, that it can be how to eat an appropriate meal, what meals should look like, sitting down with family or friend meals or, or a meal by yourself. I eat by myself a lot of times, depending on what's going on. But you know what? I still like to set the table, even if I'm by myself, to get a placemat, to get a, a napkin, to get a plate, to get a glass and have a proper, enjoyable meal, lifestyle, enjoyment, music, whatever it happens to be, lifestyle. Absolutely. And there's so much in, in, in that, you know, like I'm going to dinner with two friends tonight mm-hmm. and always was a place based on my, one of my favorite things is a spinach salad with salmon, right? So you can go out and have wonderful company, have a delicious meal just by learning to make those healthier choices. But I got to I got to ask you about keto because so many people talk to me about keto and they're like that works that works I say and but it's so restrictive, right? I mean Oh my gosh. Yes, I get this question a lot. Should I go keto? And the answer would be no you should not. <laughs> so please educate people about that because you're qualified. I'm just like that's not a way to live. Okay. So basically Keto is not an answer for bariatric lifestyle. Okay, and you don't want to hear that. So let's talk about why and why is another one better. All right, so keto, if you think about it, what is it about keto that you're eating? It's high fat. 70 to 80% of the calories on keto come from fat. So there should be a bell going off in your head right now that goes, wait a minute. That's not bariatric because the number one macronutrient in bariatric surgery is what? Protein. Protein. So if you need 80 or 90 or 100 or more grams of protein a day, 
How are you going to get that if 80% of your calories are fat? That's the number one thing. A bariatric lifestyle is driven by high quality protein of somewhere between 60 and 100 plus grams every day from now on. So the majority of your calories are going to come from protein. How does that work with, and and, and, and the biggie on that, why does that matter? Protein runs the metabolism. The more muscle mass you, and, and, and so indirectly, let's look at how that happens. Protein builds muscle. Muscle is the metabolically active tissue. What does that mean? It's like the fireplace. Get it going. (laughs) It burns calories. So muscle burns. Muscle means you're strong. The more muscle you have, the more calories you burn, the less weight gain or weight regain you have. So it's so important that high quality protein is the basis, the building block of a bariatric lifestyle. A keto plan is nowhere like that. It's 80% fat, low, low carb, and low protein. So it does. you can see it's not going to do what you want it to do. You want the other thing. High protein, some carb, once you get going, you're going to probably have 100 grams of carb or more a day, 130, and then a little fat to fill in. So wait a minute. If I'm having a little fat, like a slice or two of avocado, a little fat, maybe, you know, How's that going to work with 80% in keto? And fat is just that. Fat doesn't run the metabolism. Fat isn't protein. Fat doesn't build muscle. Fat stores as fat in the body and is used in place of carbs on a keto diet. That's the bottom line. Keto is so high in fat that you don't have the carbs coming into the diet. So the body runs out of glucose and starts burning fat. Uh That's, you can see that it really has, a keto diet has nothing to do with the type of, for success of a transformation and a journey after surgery, that lifestyle needs to be built on the highest quality protein that your body's going, give me, give me, give me, give me. Absolutely. And from the, you know, my side of the aisle, it's like diet has nothing to do with a healthy lifestyle. Like you were saying initially, it's like quit dieting. I want to help people getting away from the diet mindset because when you live your life, diet mindset, it's right. like your blinders on oh, absolutely. so much of life out there that you're missing out on. So get rid of the diet mindset learn about a healthy lifestyle and live a full life. Not one that is curtailed by constant thoughts of food, weight, or diet. I love that because think about it, Dr. Connie, keto is just one of many popular diets, not a sound diet, but many popular diets, not a sound diet for what we're doing. Keto is used in certain medical situations. Don't get me wrong. But in bariatric lifestyle, it's not a smart choice. So it does fit in that diet mentality versus creating for yourself a wonderfully healthy bariatric lifestyle. Plus, one of the things that happens when you have a really high fat diet after surgery is fatty diarrhea. If we're going to get specific, I mean, we may as well. Uh, And this is no fun. So it's like, you know, dumping syndrome, which you get from eating refined carbs and all of a sudden you have ooh that 
nausea, maybe vomiting, diarrhea. Well, a really high-fat diet um, causes fatty diarrhea in bariatric surgery and then also prevents you, because of that fatty diarrhea, from absorbing vitamins A, D, E, and K. So these are the fat solubles that the body needs for a lot of purposes. So if you think about this, you don't want um, diarrhea or dumping syndrome from carbs, the wrong kind of carbs. You don't want a high-fat diet that gives you that kind of diarrhea. I mean, you don't want to spend your new lifestyle in the bathroom having diarrhea. (laughs) Sorry. That's not living away at all. (laughs) When when this can be prevented. So I think what I'm trying to say is your body's a complicated but beautiful thing. And in bariatric surgery, it, research is really clear on what the body needs to work and work well after that. And that's not a high-fat diet. It is a high-protein diet. Absolutely. And if listeners want to go back and find the episode that we did, the previous episode we did was about what is a healthy eating program after surgery. That's what you need to know. So go listen to Dr. Susan on a prior episode of Bariatric Care, the podcast, because she spells it out for you how to eat. So what happens, you know, it's very normal for people to get to a stage where the weight loss kind of settles down and then there's a little bit of rebound, but then people are freaking out like, oh my gosh, should I I do a pouch reset? If you're telling me no diets, should I do a pouch reset? What is that all about? Uh, well, pouch reset is, has been really, really popular this last year. And the first, let me say before I say that, so many people face weight regain after surgery. Many, many, many people do. It's not unusual at all. It doesn't mean you have failed at all. It's common uh, as the body is adjusting, as you're adjusting to changes. A pass reset is another diet, and it's a very, very restrictive diet. So should you do a pass reset? The answer is clearly no, but I don't like to just give a no. Let's talk about why not. Why do you not want to? Basically, the stages of a pass reset <laughs> look just like when you came out of surgery. You're going back and you're basically redoing the first four or five days that you did right after your surgical procedure. So I'm talking like day one, clear liquids and broth and popsicles. Day two, maybe more clear liquids, progression to full liquids. Who wants to go back there? Then you work your way to soft and you work your way to healthy. So people say, oh, if I do that, then it stops me from cravings. It, it helps shrink my stomach. So first of all, let me say this. It doesn't stop your cravings. Cravings will always be there. We all have cravings. Surgery changes those. But later on down the track, hormone production does come back and it varies person to person, which means cravings do. So a pouch reset does not alter those brain Thank you. Thank you. And things like that. Also, it doesn't reset your pouch. So when you first have surgery, think about it. You may be stapled. You may be stitched. It depends on what you had and how. 
and there's scar tissue and there's healing. So you can only eat a very small amount, very you know, frequently during these times. But then as the healing comes around and is happening, some of that elasticity comes back again. And the stomach can stretch naturally. The stomach is a muscle. So that's part of how it works. There's going to be that kind of stretching. But based on what you eat and how you eat, i.e. eating too much, too large of portions, uh, all of this can make you gain weight, can push out to where you get used to once again being able to eat more food and tolerate it. You don't really want to do that. So what is, so if I'm saying, okay, no pouch reset, it doesn't do any of those things. What do you want to do? The better way, the better way is to ask yourself, okay, let's have a little real talk here. What am I doing? Have I quit eating protein? Have I quit eating my protein first? Am I still separating my liquids from my food? And not everyone, by the way, has to do that forever, but most people do better that way. And am I eating slider foods? Mm, What are slider foods? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. They're those little goodies that we don't even hardly taste them. We just eat them and they slide right down. They don't take a lot of chewing. They don't take a lot of work. But boy, are they typically caloric. So have we gone back to our older habits? So what I really tell people is when you start to see the regain, it's time for a little come to meeting, you know, a little come to meeting with yourself and say, okay, what am I really doing? Have I gone back to my old habits? Am I not getting my protein? Do I eat my protein first or later? And then you reset. If you want to have a reset, it's resetting your lifestyle. I love that. You know, when I talk to, when I talk to people and they say, they, if they come to me with regain, I ask them those exact same questions because it's, what are you doing? And it's, it is that come to Jesus meeting with yourself, right? Ask, I tell people, you got to get real. And you used those words. You got to get real with yourself. What are you actually doing? And are you aware of what you're actually doing? So I totally second the motion. And, And what are you willing to give up? And what are you willing to do about it? Because truth is, weight regain is going to happen unless you're in charge of you. That's the beautiful thing. Surgery is not the end-all, be-all. Surgery is a huge beginning, and it just creates all that, so much of that success you want. But then it's up to you to say, you know what? It's up to me now how I'm going to eat Am I going to allow myself to go back? Am I going to go back to old eating habits to if I've got things emotionally that I haven't dealt with, deal with them because emotional eating is big. And this is why Dr. Connie, that's why you and I do so much together because it's so intertwined, isn't it? It is. And weight loss surgery. And I, I, I say it probably 30 times in the, in the evaluation. I say surgery is such a gift. It's going to help you get that weight off. You know, but it's not going to keep that weight off in and of itself. You got to be part of this process and then very active and forever part of this process. And I wrote a book, weight loss surgery does not treat food addiction, nor does it treat emotional eating, nor does it treat any kind of issues that underlie your 
relationship with food, an unhealthy relationship with food. I do wish sometimes that prior to having surgery, there was a little more emphasis put on the fact that surgery is great and can do so many wonderful things for many people and will help with the loss. But if you don't deal with the demons that you've had through life that are up here speaking in your ear going, Susan, come on, come on, come on. Ooh, have this, ooh, do that. Or you're angry, you're sad, you're mad, you reach for food. If you don't deal with those or you don't work to improve old habits and make new ones, for example, learning to eat differently, learning that protein rules, changing when you eat it, and making a lifestyle that you carry on, weight gain is going to happen. So you, once surgery, you've got to be willing to invest in yourself. You've got to be willing to do the work and stay with it. Not just short term, but stay with it. And that's right. And you know what? That's tough. It's tough. It, and it's not impossible at all. But I think that's why we know it takes counseling. It takes a dietitian. It takes um, support groups, which is why I love my Facebook group. Mm-hmm. They help each other when they're down, having bad days, wondering why this happens. It takes all the way, as you say, the village. <laughs> yeah, it takes the village. It really does. And I, you know, that is my life mission is to help people understand that this is so much more. And sometimes, and professionals in the field who run these programs. I I just want to smack them upside the head because I, you know, I have a whole program prior to and afterwards. And it's like, they're so reluctant to provide that information for their patients, which would increase patient loyalty, bring them new patient referrals and give patients so much better chance of long-term success. So it just makes me insane, but that's for another day. Yeah, that is for another day. But I I think that we both love what we do. And I believe that nutrition is food and food is eating and enjoyment. Um, Sometimes it takes some work to get comfortable with that. We all have come from backgrounds where food has played a different role. And sometimes that role wasn't positive. And sometimes the, ha- the lifestyle, the habits all about around food wasn't positive and can lead to eating, to disordered eating and eating disorders For sure. that have to be worked on. And can that be? Absolutely. I totally believe trans- uh, transformation is possible into a lifestyle that's healthy and wonderful. That's why you and I do what, what we do. And that food can be what it's meant to be, nourishment, making you healthy, make you feel well so you can get out there and do what you want to do every single day, but also tasty and family and sharing and all those other things, knowing that when you go in there, you know how to make choices. Now, you know how to make smart choices at the table. So I want to teach you how to do that. How do you eat at that buffet? How do you choose this? So you're part of it, not over there going, well, I've got to eat this, you know, keto stick or whatever. No, (laughs) you know, you want to eat real food, but learn how to eat real food. And and absolutely you can. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting about that. It's it's if you learn to eat real food and you can actually eat quite a bit more than people think. And they're so concerned about, oh, my God, am I going to be a low calorie diet forever in my life? I am so glad you brought that up. This week, 
As a matter of fact, that's been a big discussion in our Facebook group. Someone was about um, 11 months post-op and being told to eat 600, 700 calories. And they were so upset saying, is this it? Is this what I'm doing the rest of my life? And I'm like, where did you get that information? Because no, I can think of a guy right now I know who's had bariatric surgery, who lifts a lot of weights, really into fitness, trains, and he's at over 3,000 calories a day. I can think, uh, and again, he works with a dietitian, uh, sports dietitian who also knows bariatrics to make sure from his macros, but his calories are up there. I can think of another woman in my group who weight trains three or four times a week. She's a young woman and she is up around 14, 1600 calories a day. That's not diet. That's not low calorie. So my point is, no, you should not be low calorie and you should get to a point. When I say low calorie, I'm talking about six, seven, 800 calories. No, not down the road. Initially, yeah, initially, and I'm not talking about right post-op and the first few months, but I'm talking about when you're about 11 months, a year down the road, and you're back to real food and a real lifestyle. At that point, hopefully you've found activities that you love to do. You have exercise you love to do. And those things burn calories and you're eating protein, which builds muscle, which burns calories and you need to feed the body. You still have to look at portions and how often and where you may have to add in, you know, little snacks and things to get those calories because of portion size, because you don't want to get used to eating huge amounts again, but you know, you don't want to be there. And I think that misinformation is part of someone not knowing bariatric nutrition. It's individualized. It's based on lots of things. Your sex. I don't mean the act of your sex, not your sex life. <laughs> Let me be specific. Although male versus female. Um Different health issues you might be dealing with, different medications that you might take, your ability to exercise, what type of exercise, how much do you strength train, all of these things really determine how many calories you're going to need for the day. And But it isn't going to be six and seven hundred. No. Somebody tells you that you need to be going somewhere else, in my opinion. Yeah, I think this is a cultural issue, too, because, you know... Prior to surgery and when you go out to eat a lot, if you eat at fast food or if you, I mean, people sit down and eat 1500 calories in one meal and we have to adjust our reality, right? Yes. If we, I mean, oh, absolutely. And if you never go, <laughs> I forget where I was looking at, but I was going to go meet some friends outside for a meal somewhere. And I forget where we were going, but I was looking at the options on the menu and they actually had the nutritionals on there, which I'm always fascinated <laughs> looking at. And some of the breakfast, I, I won't call a name to the place, but some of the breakfast had between two and 3,000 calories. That's one meal. Right. One meal. So right. you can understand how overweight in this country we've become when the portions could feed five and we serve them as one. Right. And it is, as you just said, it's a 
mental mindset change. A look at that portion is not meant for my body. It doesn't mean that food. So hear that. Good food doesn't mean the food is not meant for your body. It means that the serving is not meant for any body. And most places make it really difficult to eat out. Most places. Absolutely. I mean, there's such portion distortion, right? Yeah, portion distortion for sure. And it's frustrating. But one of the things I do, because I like to eat out and I like to try different cuisines, and is that when it comes and that meal is like this, I, before they even leave, say, excuse me, will you bring me a to-go box? I'm going to separate this right now. And I, before I dig in, I take off and I put it into my to-go box and put it to the side. Because you know what will happen if I don't? You'll eat the whole thing. I'll eat the whole thing. Because what will happen is you and I'll start talking and it's still there and it's still there. And I'm like, oh, this good stuff. And I just, you know, but this is human nature for all of us. Right. We have to not allow that to happen. And it's very easy to say, hey, would you bring me a to go box right now? And then I put it to the side and decide how much I'm going to eat right now and and take the rest home. And most people are not talking. Uh, healthy portions as children. We're just not taught it. And so to understand and be shown this, it's like really eye-opening and shocking for some people. We don't yeah, yeah, it's very shocking because the portions are that way. But the end, the nice thing about taking it home is, well, you got a meal and a snack later too. <laughs> so you got a busy day ahead. You've already got something left for later on, right? Yep. So I know some people are worried about that calorie thing, which we just kind of clarified. What about the, is my whole life going to be nothing but protein from now on? Well, no, it's not going to be nothing but protein because your body wouldn't begin to get all the nutrition that you want, but your body will want and need a substantial amount of protein every day. That's what works in bariatric surgery. So what does that mean? It's going to be somewhere from 60 to 120 grams of protein a day plus. You're thinking, well, I want a better range. I want it more specific. Why am I not specific? Because are you the guy that needs 3,000 calories? Are you the woman that's weight training at 14? Are you going to be somewhere around 12 or 13? So your protein needs have to be looked at that. And again, do you have to follow a specific caloric range? No, but you are going to at some point in the beginning have to get a feel for either calories and grams of protein. And then later you can become more intuitive by saying, oh, I can see now that's my portion. This is about how much I'm eating. And you learn to listen to the cues of your body. That's another habit that has to be developed. I'm feeling full. I'm going to stop now before I'm stuck. Those things take time. So initially you do have to say, okay, I'm going to aim maybe for 1,200 calories. I'm going to work at about 60 or 80 grams of protein until you learn what that is, until you see if that satisfies you. But they'll always need that substantial protein of high quality, whether it's dairy, eggs, fish, meat, all of the above. But then you'll start eating some carbs. And at some point down the road, Yes, you can eat carbs. Wait, one more time. You can eat carbs. Listen up. (laughs) You can eat carbs. You're actually going to get back to about 130 grams or so a day. Again, more or less depending on where you are. Because the brain needs carbs. The body needs carbs. You need the fiber that carbs provide so you're not constipated. (laughs) You You need a lot of the things. And you also need some fat. 
the fat from olive oil or avocado or the fat found in nuts for the vitamins and minerals there. So each of those macros provide different nutrients. So no, you won't eat only protein. Yes, you'll always need good high quality, but you will be filling in with good quality carbs and some good quality fat sources. Here's one of the things I recommend to people, and I want you to correct me because I am not an RD. Um, I, I tell people, write, get, look at a list of really good proteins that you like. Make a list of really good proteins that you like and have them available to you. Have them available at home. So if you get like a sudden craving or you're having an emotional eating type of episode, you can at least go and get yourself a healthy source of protein. Oh, I am. I totally agree. And I, I believe in stocking my pantry or my refrigerator or my backpack, my briefcase, my purse. I always want to have something with me. So protein's a great thing to have. It can be as simple as hard-boiled eggs that you make and keep in the refrigerator. It can be cheese sticks. It can be cups, little cups of cottage cheese. It can be cups of Greek yogurt, plain Greek yogurt that you add things to. Uh, all of it, it can be beef jerky you know, other kinds of jerky that you like. So yes, absolutely. Because if you don't have some things on hand, guess what you're going to do? Rummage for the M&Ms, baby. You're going to be and you're going to be looking for the things that are slider foods that you don't need that work towards weight regain. So yes, but also stocking with some um, carbs that are going to work for you by that. Smart carbs, meaning high fiber carbs, whole grains that work, fruit, vegetables that work so that you can have things to put together. Absolutely. That's a, that is a habit. That is a win-win. And that's a non-scale victory. I love non-scale victories. When you start to say, I'm in charge of what I eat and I'm going to have some things in my pantry and my briefcase, my backpack, my fridge, wherever it is, so that I make good choices or better choices. Can I ask you to speak to the things we add to the Greek yogurt because people will tell me things and I just am like, well, how about if we just take a quick look online here and see how much sugar is in those dried cranberries? How much sugar is in those dry, all that dried fruit? What kind of granola are you putting in there? Because a lot of granola has a ton of sugar in there. This is, this is true. And initially after surgery, that sugar that's in the dry fruit or the granola may be enough to give you dumping syndrome. Your body will be, ooh, I don't really like that added sugar. So initially, a good place to start. Once you're, again, I'm always talking about when you're back to a regular diet because you, yeah. you have to go with your surgical team's suggestion for how they want you to eat from post-op on from the next, you know, eight weeks, 10 weeks, whatever, before you move on. So, but once you're um, down the road, if you've got a good Greek yogurt, I prefer Greek. Now I know. Okay. I'm honest by itself. Plain Greek yogurt is pretty disgusting. It's, you know, it's got to have something, but the flavored yogurts, unless you use a a sweetened one with some type of sugar substitute, the sugared ones are going to have, way, way, way too much sugar and are going to likely cause dumping. So if you've got a Greek, you've got to make it flavorful. How do you do that? And 
I like to use fresh fruit in season that you know you tolerate well, whether that's mango, whether that's strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, sliced up grapes. I mean, there's lots of different ones. Again, some of you will say I tolerate this better than other. But if you put the fresh fruit in there, that natural sweetness of the, the fruit, stir it up, let it just sit a few minutes will help. I also like to use plain nuts, not granola, but plain nuts, whether that's walnuts, pecans, whatever. <clears throat> Chop a few up. Remember, a little goes a long way because they're so caloric and put that in with the fruit. So together, you're going to get the crunchy of the nuts, the sweetness of the natural fruit, the high protein of the Greek yogurt, and be a better choice than, especially in the beginning, than um, granolas, which are typically very high sugar, and dried fruits, some more than other. You have to really look at those to see how much sugar is added, but most of them have quite a bit. I'm going to to give a little anecdote here. My (laughs) son-in-law... Yes, <laughs> somewhere on vacation or something, and and we had a, a full fridge and kitchen, and he he needed to take some medicine. He said, "Do you have any yogurt that I can take this with?" And I eat sh- plain, fat-free Greek yogurt, <laughs> but I add right. I add the fruit to it, and I'll put a little bit of monk fruit in there. And so later, he said to me, "How do you eat that stuff?" I said, oh, gosh, I don't eat plain, zero-fat Greek yogurt by its, with nothing in it because it really tastes awful. But I love the, the protein in it. And I'll put a little bit of monk fruit and blueberries in there. And I'm like, it's yeah, a and add to it. Great. And I like to use Greek yogurt in smoothies. So always on a daily basis, pretty much for breakfast, we'll blend Greek yogurt with some high protein skim milk with uh, part of a banana, some peanut butter and, and actually some protein powder so that I'm getting calcium, vitamin D, protein, the the healthy fat of the nuts, the vitamins in the the banana and, and, you know, blend those up. And again, yes, you can have that. The amount you have to think about is who do you share that with? What is your portion size going to be on that? So that's what you have to think about. Yeah, I think people have to be careful with the smoothies because they can make a thousand calorie smoothie. Yes. Right. Yeah. And in the beginning, you may not tolerate that so well. So down the road. Yeah. Because you, know, you really need fiber. You really have to get the system going and moving. I'll tell you another thing that I do with Greek yogurt and then we'll wrap up. But um, if I if I make some steel cut oats, mm-hmm. I'll add a... <laughs> probably two or three tablespoons of the plain fat-free Greek um, oatmeal because it just adds some protein to the oatmeal. Oh, absolutely. Sure. I love it. And then you can still add other little things like we were talking about to your oatmeal as well. But again, because oatmeal being a carb, you have to go back and look at where the majority of my calories are going to come from. And is it going to be protein? Is oatmeal going to be? But but the nice thing now is you can find high protein oatmeals. That's right. Yeah. I was always very cautious of oatmeal because of the high carb count. So I'm, yeah, you know, I think yeah, we got to be cautious. But it's it's also very, we don't want to discount it too much too because in, and the high protein oatmeal is also very filling, and so it keeps you satisfied. 
and it lowers cholesterol. So you got these benefits of, of oatmeal at the same time. You just have to make sure that in it, that you have a protein coming in and not too many carbs. Right. So you have to kind of look at the portion and how much protein's in it. The big picture. Of the this day. is a good choice. Yeah, so great. I, I just love learning from you. Oh, I love uh, learning from you. <laughs> you, know what, you know what else I love about the way you present? You're fun. And you have, you put so much personality into it. So I just adore you and I appreciate the work you do in this field. And I'm grateful um, to every time I have a chance. To it was my pleasure. Thank you, you so much. Yeah. So everybody listen up and encourage others to listen to not only this episode of the podcast, but also to Dr. Susan's podcast. So give us an overview of where everybody can find you. Again, so it's Bariatric Surgery Success at Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. But you can always go to my website for information too. It's breakingdownnutrition.com. Breakingdownnutrition.com. Or just Google me by my name. You'll probably find it that way as well. Yeah. Because knowledge can be power, right? Absolutely. I believe that. Totally. Yes, absolutely. So inform yourself, know what you're doing and continue to learn and grow. And thanks for joining us today. And we will see you next time. And remember how I always end. Your health is your responsibility this day and every day. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Dr. Susan. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Very Aftercare, the podcast. The information shared on this podcast is considered psychoeducation and does not constitute therapy or a therapeutic relationship. Be sure to check out all the great information I provide, much of it free, by visiting my website at www.conniestapletonphd.com. Be sure to leave your positive comments for this podcast and listen in next week to learn more ways to live your best post-op life.